Welcome, Traveler's Blueprint community. I am Elliot Shibley, and here with me, as always, is the extremely pragmatic Robert <laughs> Domena. Thank you. Thank you. That was sweet. Um, all right, guys. So before we get into the show, check out uh, our partner, Minivan of Memories, where you can write up your own travel blog and share it on his platform, where he will then be able to share it with a really large community. We've now handed in two stories to him. We've sent him some of our podcast guests. He's an awesome guy and it's a great thing that he's doing. So definitely check it out. In addition to that, Little Passports. There's an affiliate link for Little Passports at the bottom of our website. This company provides packages on a monthly basis through a monthly prescription to prescription subscription <laughs> subscription not prescription that would be weird so a subscription for packaging um they'll have coloring books or maps or just information on the world the environment it's a really cool idea and it helps kids your kids get involved with um the world uh, also we have an audible affiliate link you can do that through our website that just gives you the opportunity to explore Audible, something that I use almost every single day. I'm actually using it now to learn Italian. You can get a free trial through the link in our pod, through the link on our website, um, at free of charge. And if you don't like it, you don't sign up. All right. So this episode is the second half of our Planning Peru podcast. The first episode as that came out last week, covered Lima, Cusco, Pisac, Chinchero, Oitatambo, and Aguas Calientes. And that was day one through four of our trip. This episode will start with Machu Picchu, move into the ATV tour in the Sacred Valley in the midst of the Andes, and then our trip back to Cusco, back to Lima. And then at the end of it, we will cover a lot of the tips that we've learned and kind of recap our overall trip and then discuss the budget and break down some of the big ticket items and what you can expect when you travel there if you're planning to go in the near future. And again, Brian is with us. And if you didn't know, Brian's wife was actually the Disney planner that we had on earlier this year. So we'll get right into the show. Fun fact, Traveler's Blueprint trivia. <laughs> Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. All right, so we wake up at 5.30, we all get ready, and we start the hike. And I will say there are two options to get up to Machu Picchu. And there's a third if you're not staying in Aguascalientes, but that's more of like the Inca Trail and four to seven day hikes up to it. So if you're staying in Aguas Calientes, you could either take the bus up, which is, I think, 12 US dollars one way, and it's a 20 minute bus ride. But if you want to hike it, like we did. And Elliot always wants to hike it. If you want to hike it, if you want to be an awesome, active person, then the hike takes about an hour 20 to an hour 40, depending on your physical limits. And what what did our our, uh, our Airbnb guys say? I thought he said it was like two hours it should take us. He did. He said two hours. Didn't we do it in like an hour? Yeah. So I think he said a few different things. He gave us a lot of ranges and he his English was fairly broken. But 
I think for the most part, we understood from Aguas Calientes to the base of Machu Picchu is a 20 minute walk. And then from the base, it's either 50 minute hike up or like an hour, 20 minute hike up, depending on how long it takes you to do the hike. And the hike is fairly grueling. And we stopped a few times just to catch our breath, get some water. It is nonstop stairs for a good, I don't know, what, what, how many steps was that? Like a thousand steps? I, I don't it was at know. least it was at least 150 flights. I just know that we we had somewhere around like 300 and like 80 floors that day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, the yeah. the hike is very tough, and if you have not acclimated at this point, then it will become even tougher. And having altitude sickness is not fun. Yeah. I as think, as Bob know, can say from experience. To Elliot's mm-hmm. point. You know, we spent two days in Cusco, which was, it's 11,000 feet, right? Somewhere 11,000, yeah. 12,000 feet. And Machu Picchu is, what, 7,000 feet? Yeah. So it, it was beneficial for us big time to have those two full days to get used to it. And even those two days, I feel like it was still pretty tough. Yeah. Well, yeah, we also hiked a lot in Cusco to help us get acclimated. So you're welcome. Yeah, thank, thank you. <laughs> and then just completely flushed it all down the drain by getting drunk. <laughs> Yeah, like two nights before we did it. I wouldn't recommend doing that. If I could go back, I probably would take it easy in Cusco up to up to Machu Picchu, and then maybe on your way back to Cusco before you leave, then maybe spend a few nights out. Um, yeah, that's sort of that's just my my recommendation. I'm in concurrence. Yeah, it was draining. I mean, maybe if you're 21 years old and you could recover quickly, or <laughs> go for it. But yeah, if yeah, I guess yeah. 18 in Peru. Yeah, uh, but our 30 year old bodies. Yeah. So we ended up We're getting, we left, we left our Airbnb at six in the morning and we got up to Machu Picchu to the entrance at seven thirty. And the way the tickets work now is you have to buy a time slot to enter the park, not the archeological site. And if you're doing Huayna Picchu or Montaña Picchu, you have to buy another ticket that is with your Machu Picchu entrance ticket. You can't buy them separately. Yeah, and they only let two, they only sell, what is it? There's two time slots and 200 people per time slot, right? So you get 400 people that can climb those mountains each day. Yeah, yeah. If you know you're going to do Wayana Picchu or if you're interested in it, just buy the ticket. One, I highly recommend it. Um, it. It was amazing. It gave us incredible views of Machu Picchu. It is a little bit difficult. It requires some level of hiking ability if you're completely out of shape maybe maybe hold off but if you have even just like a very basic level of hiking i think you're gonna be fine yeah the stairs are fairly and they're they're very irregular they're stone and in some places they're just kind of carved into the side of the mountain and all you have for grip is a metal handrail it's not even it's not even a handrail in some spots, yeah. If it's if it's raining at all, it becomes it can become treacherous. There's a portion and, of Huayna Picchu that are called the Stairs of Death. Yeah, and I don't think yeah we should undermine how dangerous the hike is. Although I thought it was generally easy to do, with a wrong step or just being lightheaded due to altitude sickness, you could slip and fall and die. It's I I wouldn't be surprised if that happened on a somewhat regular basis we looked into the death rate a little bit and it seems like the data just isn't there yeah. Peru probably squashes that really <laughs> quickly <laughs> yeah 
there are rare incidences of people actually falling off of the stairs and dying, but there are some injuries, more injuries than deaths. So I want to back up though a little bit to, you know, so we have our, our specific time slot for Machu Picchu. We get in just like you would for any amusement park ride. You have to get your ticket scanned. I think you get it stamped and then you go in, uh, you walk around a path and up a little bit. And then what was your guys' first impression of seeing Machu Picchu in person for the very first time? It was it was so awesome. I mean, I feel like there was this built up leading up to Machu Picchu. And, you know, that's, how, that's what we went there for. That, that was the whole reason of going to Peru. And it it did not let me down at all. I mean, it, it was – and you remember when we got there, it was pretty foggy and cloudy in the morning. And it kind of settled yeah. over top of the ruins. And, you know, some of the mountains you couldn't really see. And it was just like, as we were going through, climbing the different terraces, the view kept changing, you know, the, the sky was clearing up and it, it was, every time you turn around, I felt like I saw something new. It was amazing. I just didn't want to stop taking pictures. Yeah. But it was one of, it's one of those experiences that is so incredible that you'll, you'll never forget it. And you just want to stay and just absorb everything that's there. Machu Picchu is one of the most picturesque places, sites you could ever see. It's in such a unique location, both geographically and in terms of environment. It's because we went at the end of the rainy season, everything was still a nice lush green. The clouds were just perfect. There were still some clouds in the sky making the sunlight come through. And because it's nestled on the top of this mountain with two other mountains on either side, it's kind of sitting in the saddle of it. It's just unbelievably beautiful. Yeah, that's, I mean, you guys put it, put it really well. It, it's the setting that did it for me more than anything else. Coming out of the, the canopy, right? You come through the canopy and going towards what is an overlook for the first time and standing over these ruins and looking down at the ruins and then you know moving your your eyes up and then over and realizing that you're just tucked away in the andes in this it's so remote it really is it blew me away it's so awe-inspiring yeah and, right. and like the scale of it it you know you see pictures and of course like it looks big but until you're actually there in front of it you, you don't really understand the magnitude of what they had to do to build this. I mean, it's, it's enormous. Yeah. Yeah. To, to see what they actually had to, to do. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. The more you, the more you walk around it, the more you appreciate and the more you're more amazed by what they were able to accomplish with what we consider primitive methodologies, primitive technology. And mm -hmm. some of it seems more advanced than some of our agricultural techniques today. Yeah. Yeah, and so what we should say now is that if you have the ticket for Wayana Pichu, it's going to be, I, th I believe it's always going to be slightly after, a few hours after your ticket entrance to Machu Picchu. And so if you have the tickets to both, you can enter Machu Picchu and you could skip, for the time being, the Sun Gate and the Incan Bridge. Both of these locations are very popular and they're where a lot of the popular photos are taken of Machu Picchu, the overlook. If you have tickets for Wayana, you can enter Machu Picchu, pass these signs, and then walk along the left-hand side. There's only one way to go through Machu Picchu and, and tour the ruins that way. 
And as you come around, you're going to see um, the different temples, right? The, is it the Temple of the Sun? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Is there's there. a, there's a lot of temples, or not not a lot of temples, but a few different landmarks. Right, and you'll make your way through, and then you'll eventually come to the back of Machu Picchu. And the back of Machu Picchu is where the entrance to Wayana Picchu is. Um, if you time it the right way, you can you can come to the back, and you might only wait a little bit. There's alpacas back there. There's more than enough. We ended up sitting down and just enjoying Machu Picchu for uh, 45 minutes. Yeah, it's a nice a nice little break to get, you know, before you you start on that, that hike up Wayana. Yeah. I'm really glad we got that time to just sit down and just take it in uh, without having to hike, without having to push past tourists, because it is a very touristy place. Yeah. Well worth it. So I think Huayna Picchu has, A, you have to book your tickets about six months in advance just for Huayna, because as Brian said, there are only two time slots. I believe it's like an 8 a.m. and a 10.30 a.m. They're the only, it's only in the morning that you can enter, and... If you have your Machu Picchu entrance at 7 a.m., you're pretty much going to go right through Machu Picchu to Huayna. But because it's only 200 people for the first session and 200 people for the second session, those tickets go very, very quickly. We bought ours very early, uh, and I think it might have been like the second or third thing we did when planning this trip. Yeah, I think it was right after the flights. Yeah. Um, so... So with that ticket, you know, you can go through the left side of Machu Picchu, do your Wayana Picchu hike, come back down, and then you can only go along the right-hand side. Well, it'll be, it'll be your left now, but, um, and this is like, the, this is the area where all the dwellings were. I, I, I don't know if I enjoyed this part of Machu Picchu better than the, the temple area, but there was something about it, you know, the narrow passageways that I really liked. And I liked the view, I think, from that side a lot. Yeah, I think there was uh, yeah, there's a lot more on that side. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you make your way through that side of the ruins, and you basically are shuffled through an exit. There's no other option. You you are forced to leave, but if you do have the Wayana tickets, you can then loop back around, and they'll let you right back in. And the way it worked out for us, we started at 8 a.m. We hiked Wayana at 10.30. We got done about an hour later. Uh, no, two, two hours, hours later. later, right? Yeah, we hung out so at 12 30 quite a bit. We did, yeah. We got done to twelve thirty. We came back down and then maybe by what, like two o'clock, two thirty, we were out of Machu Picchu. No. Yep. And then out of Machu Picchu entirely? We, no, no, just the first time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then we and re-entered. So, and so because we had tickets to Ayana, we were allowed to re-enter. There's no re-entry signs posted everywhere. But keep in mind if you have Wayana tickets, you can get back in. They let us back in, and at this point, it was Machu Picchu was virtually empty. Yeah, it was like dead. There were almost no tourists in there. It was very strange. Um, it was. It was awesome. We didn't go back down into the ruins. We took that opportunity to go to the Inca Bridge. We hiked all the way to the Inca Bridge, which was really cool. I thought it was great. I know some people were underwhelmed, a little bit torn, yeah, or underwhelmed on whether or not it was worth it. I liked it. I would still recommend it. I don't know if you guys would. I think it's worth it. It's a 20-minute out and back. Yeah, I definitely would. I, I thought it was cool. And so so we did that, and then that's where we got all the pictures with the llamas, the the alpacas, whatever they are. That's camelids. where I got a selfie with one. Yeah. The camelids, yes. We did not go to the sun gate, and I forget why we didn't. Is it because we didn't have enough time? We didn't have enough time. Yeah, so we ran out of time. We had a train from Aguas Calientes back to Ole Tambo, and... We had to leave, or we would have walked out to the Sun Gate. We were both, we were all exhausted at that point, but we would have done it. 
one thing we didn't mention was the cost of entry for Machu Picchu and Huayna Picchu. And I believe those tickets were 70 total. And you know what? Is that right? That sounds right. I, I would even throw in there, if you're going to do Huayna, it probably would make more sense to go for that, that 1030 slot. Because I, I can't even imagine what the pictures would have what would have looked like if we had gotten to the top, you know, at 8 o'clock in the morning and it was still covered in fog. You probably, yeah. probably wouldn't even have seen Machu Picchu at all. Yeah, that's a great point. So so the way it works, it, in the early morning, the sun rises and it heats up the, the valley and the dew, the mist on, on the vegetation slowly starts to um, rise and you have this layer of fog sitting over Machu Picchu. It's awesome. It looks amazing. However, your view of the valley is going to be uh, blocked. So the longer you wait, the, the longer the, t- the, the clouds have to rise and you get a greater view. So by 8.30 in the morning, by 9 o'clock in the morning, the clouds were still hovering at the summit of Wayana. So anybody who hiked it at that early in the morning, I'm assuming they did not have a view of Machu Picchu. Yeah, or at least if they did have a view, it was obscured. Right, yeah. yeah. So by the time we got up there, the mist had already risen, the clouds were already well above Wayana, and we had perfectly clear views straight down to Machu Picchu, um, which made for incredible pictures. It We sat there for a while and just looked down at the, at the valley. It was incredible. Yeah. And so for that reason alone, I would recommend doing, doing the later, yes, the later, uh, Wayana Picchu hike. Absolutely. And that gives you some time to enjoy Machu Picchu in the beginning. And then, because you really don't need that much time to walk through the western portion of Machu Picchu is like the sacred temples and like the noble areas. The eastern side, when you're walking back from Huayna, as Bob mentioned, is more of the city where people actually lived. And there are homes there. There's some other cool stuff. But the Inca Bridge is, I think it was worth it for us. And it would have been nice to do the Sun Gate. But in... You have an option if you do a second day at Machu Picchu, which many people do, to go up to Montaña Picchu, which is on the south side, and it actually sits much higher than Huayna Picchu, and you get another shot of Machu Picchu with Huayna Picchu in the background, and even clearer shots of the valley with mm-hmm. Aguas Calientes, and uh, there's a pretty cool hydroelectric dam nearby. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been nice to do that. If we had more time, um, if we had if this was a two-week trip... I think we would have all agreed to do it, but unfortunately, we were just limited in time. So, so we ended up leaving Machu Picchu by man four, five o'clock, maybe. Yeah, I think we left around four. We decided to suck it up and buy a bus ticket down. Yeah, well we worth did. It. We were exhausted. Yeah, well worth the twelve US dollars. I agree. Uh huh. Um, made it down. Just grabbed our bags. Grabbed some food. Again, nothing too great to eat in Angos Calientes and then jumped on our train. By the time we got on our train, it was 7 p.m. It was nighttime. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see the beautiful train ride back, but I think we all would have fallen asleep regardless. We made it back to Alayton Tambo. We actually met someone pretty cool, Charlie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, right, right. Yeah, so so we were, yeah, we were on the train and we met Charlie, 18-year-old guy. Yeah, it was yeah. his like, third day of a four-month trip. So, yeah, he was starting in Peru. That was his first his first trip. And he flew into Lima, went to Cusco, went straight to Machu Picchu yep. within like a day. No acclimatization. No, just went straight for it and did it in like flat shoes. The guy uh Yeah, one of their one of his buddies passed out. <laughs> yeah. 
and that was part of I think his trip from there. He was going. He was when he was done in Peru. He was going to go up to Los Angeles, then from Los Angeles to Thailand, then Thailand to Japan. Yeah, I think, I think Vietnam was, in there too. Right. Yeah, I think Vietnam or something. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome trip. I think we're gonna we we have his Instagram. Perfect. We're gonna be in touch with him. So that was it for that day. We took the train to Arlington Tambo. Uh, just grabbed dinner pretty much anywhere we could that was still open at that point. Most restaurants close at 10 p.m. Yeah, keep and so that we didn't in have mind. a lot of time. Yeah, we did not have a lot of time to find food, and I think we kind of started the panic. And the, the first place we saw open that had the kitchen open, we just jumped in. Yep. Um, the food was identical to Aguas Calientes. Nothing really great. Um, I think we did. We all get the alpaca burger. Yeah, and I'm, I'm putting that in air quotes again because I don't know if it was alpaca or not. No, it was like it a, burger been a veggie that burger you would get out of a box. Yeah, it was a at a grocery it was store. A dead alpaca burger first experience. Yeah, yeah. and so um, and that was it. We went back to the room and we passed out. We yeah. we had a long day the next morning. So so the next day we this was an awesome day. Um, we wake up in only Tintambo. And we, we explore a little bit. Again, this city's not huge. There's not a lot to see. They have the same plaza that, that other uh, Peruvian cities seem to have. And just your standard touristy shops. Did, did we do anything eventful that morning? We ended up hiking Pukiana. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, so th- there's two ruins in this town, right? There's the touristy ruins and then there's the um, unmaintained less touristy ruins <laughs> I, I don't know uh, what to call them but um we went up first we went up the less touristy ruins brian and i were exhausted so we took a break on a lower level uh, elliot went all the way up to the top because he's an overachiever and i threw the drone up again i and i, I think this footage is what i'm excited for more than anything else it looks pretty cool i checked it out this morning do you remember before we went up the the uh, mountain there we met that guy who makes oh, those carvings yeah. Which were incredible. Yeah, I mean, this guy—he—he, he, what did he say? He said that one, it took him three months to carve. Three months. Yeah, we have a few photos yeah. of those too. We'll definitely be posting that. Yeah, they're pretty incredible. I, wonder, I doubt he has like a name of his place or anything like that that we'd be able to identify on a map. I don't know. Yeah, that—that that would be hard to probably pretty hard to find. I don't even know. I'm on Google Earth right now, but I don't want to spend too much time looking in there. Um, well, anyway, so we went up the, the less traversed ruins threw the drone up a little bit, came back down. And then Elliot had convinced us to go into the touristy ruins, which are covered as part of your sacred Valley pass. So at that point, I think that's actually convinced us. We already had paid for it. So we might as well go see them. Um, and they did not disappoint though. I'm glad we ended up doing it because they were awesome. They gave really good views of the Valley, the, the town of Arlington Tambo, and then the mountains across. It was well worth it. That you know you're there, just tough it out and do all the ruins you can because you're not going to see that anywhere else. Yep, there's truth in that. <laughs> so from there, we get picked up back at the main town, the the plaza at the police yeah. station, and this was a tour that we had booked through America Inc and Trail, and they are a four wheeling company. Um, and our plan was to we get picked up by them. We were given a short tutorial on how to drive these ATVs and then we we went on a an incredible ride through through Peru through this area in Peru to the Moray um uh terraces and then the salt pans yeah it was awesome 
So it, it's kind of nestled in the Sacred Valley between Urubamba, Chinchero, Maras, and it, they're based out of Chinchero, and they have a, I think they do motorbiking as well. And if you have some experience with ATVs, it's a lot of fun. They they do the tutorial is great if you've never done it, um, and it's a semi-automatic. But you go through Maras, you it, it's what like a twenty-five minute, half hour, like straight ATVing to Marais, and then the salt mines. Sorry, not the Marais terraces are stunning, yeah. Ryan. I mean, you talked about this in the beginning. I just think like this is something that we we were kind of like on the fence about going to see like i had looked it up and it looked awesome and I, I really i wanted to go but it just didn't seem like something that we were going to be able to fit in until we we were there and we realized that we were going to be driving right through there but yeah these these yeah. terraces were incredible i mean i don't know if did they say how deep it was i don't know i think it's about a hundred feet like 300 meters but they're concentric circles of terraces and the whole purpose of these terraces were done by um, Incan scientists, researchers, to study plants and food from the Amazon rainforest. So they had these terraces all set up, and they were irrigated, and, and it? It they was, were uh, designed. Seven different microclimates within twenty different twenty different or microclimates. 20 different. It's insane. Yeah, just based on altitude between the bottom terrace to the top terrace and the way the sun actually entered the terraces and the shading of the terraces. It's really quite incredible. And the scale of it, like when you look at pictures of it, the scale does yeah, not do it you, justice. you can't even tell. Yeah. You just, it's one of those things you just got to go. And it's, I think it was well worth it. There's so much history there. Um, and it's just incredible to hear that these this civilization, this 500-year-old civilization was doing this and learning all about plants and food just like we're still doing today yeah yeah it's something that you won't get to experience anywhere else in the world so you really should make it a point to see it while you're in peru yeah and it, i feel like it was what you know like 30 minute walk around i mean it, it was very doable right. i think quick stop. i think we had 15 minutes we kind of we kind of spun through it um but i i would have spent more time there i think we were a little bit pushed for time just to get to the Maras salt mines. Mm -hmm. Which to me are one of the biggest highlights of the trip. I think second to Machu Picchu would be the salt pans. And then sexy woman would be the ruins second to Machu Picchu. If that makes sense. Um, the salt pans are something that I have been looking forward to since we decided to go here and they did not disappoint me at all. They actually blew me away even more than I thought they would seeing them in person, seeing the actual setting, and then being able to walk along the path of the stream coming down the mountain was something that I didn't realize we were going to be able to yeah, do. Yeah, it was pretty incredible. And, and for everyone listening, I mean, these are actively mined salt pans. And the, I mean, the people have been just passing these down through their families. And it, it's incredible. It's incredible to see what they do. And, and they were... They, what was it a bad storm that just came through and some of them were damaged they were actually repairing some of the pans i don't know if you could tell in any of the pictures but um but yeah i mean they they, they had some pretty bad weather and it came through and beat some of them up and they were yeah. doing all this well, i think that happens and... i think that happens every rainy season is that they just get hammered throughout four months of constant rainfall and then when it starts to dry up a little bit they can actually maintain them again yeah and it's all yeah. fed through this little six inch stream that comes literally out of the mountain that they don't even know where it originates from and 
the water was had to be like 70 degrees, 80 degrees. Yeah, yeah that it was, was warm the and thing. salty. Yeah, yeah, super salty. How warm it, it was. was. 60% salt. Yeah. I bit a chunk of salt. <laughs> you did. Yeah. That was gross. Hey, it was some of the most delicious salt I've ever tried. We all ended up buying bags of salt. I highly recommend getting salt there if if you go to visit. Um, they had, I know there were th- remember there were three different types of salt. So the layers of the pan were divided into three layers, and then the middle layer I know was the pink salt that was the best for cooking. The top layer I don't remember what he called it. Bath salts. What was it? Bath it's like salts. Brown Those salt, are the bath yeah. salts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then the bottom layer was what they would use for table me- medicine. Yeah, table, table, table salt. Oh, okay. Okay. Did you even listen? He was no. too busy eating salt. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then they, like, most of the consumable salt, um, they have, like, smoked salts. They have salts with different spices. And they're they're pretty delicious. And it's just cool to see where it comes from and to know that you were there. Yeah. And that was our day. I mean, so uh, real quick, before we jump into, I want to jump into our car ride from the ATV place back to Cusco. But before I do, I just want to have an honorable mention. When we were in Arlington Tambo, we went to a restaurant called El Albuquerque. Albuquerque. Oh, yeah. We forgot about that. We had alpaca burgers there and they were awesome. Highly recommend it. This restaurant is on the train tracks in Ole Tintambo. So if you are hungry, you get off the train, you you should be able to see it. There's signs everywhere. It's right there. If you want an alpaca burger, go there. They also have have local coffee. It was just a good spot to get food. And I I honestly think that it's probably one of the best spots to get food in Ole Tintambo. Um so if you can go there. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I feel like uh everywhere else is like your typical like village food that they Mm-hmm. It's like mass produced. This place was awesome, and they had that nice little courtyard in the back where we sat outside. I mean, there's fresh fruit growing on the trees. I mean, it had really, really nice setting. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, all right, so back to the day we went four wheeling. Um, well, that was the same day, was it? No, yeah, no, that, that was, was right before. That was right before we got the cab oh, to go four wheeling. That's right. Yeah, we were supposed to do it the night we got got there, but we ended up there was already closed. Yeah, yeah. we walked right past it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we walked right past that um, zombie dog where it jumped out of the hole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was a dog that just came out of the rubble, just yeah. barking, and then just ran in front of us. Yeah. There's so many strange. So many stray dogs. But so the the ride there I really enjoyed because our our tour guide, Alberto, um, hopped in the car with us. And gave us some information on his life living in Peru. He had spent some time living in the Amazon jungle. He told us about times where he was fishing and he would leave the fish out to dry and he would hear growling overnight and be too scared to check it, check what was going on to the tent. The next morning he would wake up and see jaguar footprints in the mud around his tent. That blew and my no mind. Fish. And no fish. The fish were gone. He had snakes in his, his pillowcase. Pillow yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He was an awesome guy. He spoke really good English too. But then we asked him about injuries associated with the tour. Um, and one I, of the things that we should mention is that we're you're not actually able to drive your ATV to the salt mines anymore. Part of that is because someone was fooling around and decided to drive their ATV off of one of the cliffs that goes to the salt mines. And that person 
is no longer with us, but he ruined us being able to actually safely drive our ATVs to the salt mines. Yeah. So you have to drive, you have to sit in a car and drive to the salt mines now. Yeah. So what we did, we parked our ATVs on the side of the road and then hitched a ride with, with the driver we had who brought us to the ATV place, which wasn't a big deal. Um, it would have been cool to drive the ATVs up there, but I understand their safety concerns. Um, it, ATV, ATVing anywhere is a safety concern, but Peru, you know, we were on roads that were not maintained. They were incredibly bumpy. They were uneven. People drive like maniacs there. It was. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Like just, some of the roads that you're on, you're sharing the road with, with cars and they obviously, I feel like they don't really observe caution with other cars. So you can imagine what it's like being on ATV. Right. Yeah. So just if you do book an ATV tour, use caution, um, know your limits. Uh, but we ended up having an incredible time. It it was something that all three of us walked away from. We we're just kind of in awe that we just did that yeah. with, you know, snow-capped mountains in oh, the background. Yeah, awesome. and the view was, the view was probably was, my favorite part of the whole thing. Yeah. And we got some so, the, uh, GoPro footage of that as well, right? Yeah, yeah, Elliot. Well, we all kind of wore the GoPro on our heads throughout that trip. Um, I probably got the best GoPro footage because I was in the front most of the time. And so I didn't have all the dust in my face because I think I was the best ATV driver out of the three of us. You absolutely were, Bob. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I needed that confirmation. <laughs> um, all right, moving on. So that so night... back at Cusco. Yeah, that night we ended up back at Cusco. Um, we what? Did we go out that night? Yeah. We did go out that night. I don't... Oh, we went to Molly's for dinner, the Irish did... pub. Did we? Yeah, did, did we go for dinner? Not Molly. Was yeah. it Molly's? No, Patty's. 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 Oh, right, 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 right. We went to Patty's for dinner, um, and then we yeah, went, we went out. back out. Yeah, and then we went to Mushrooms. Yeah, we, to we thought Africa. we would take it easy. <laughs> we went back to Mom Mom Africa. Africa. <laughs> We thought we were going to take salsa. it. It snowballed into um, a full night out, right? What was yeah, it like? well, that was, a, that was an early night. We got back at 2.30. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? I blame us not having Game of Thrones because if we had Game of Thrones, we probably would have sat in bed, watched the show, and all fell asleep. But because we didn't get it, we went out for the night and we ended up again getting not as drunk. And I don't because none of us were that hungover the next day. No. Um, that next no, morning we woke up in Cusco. We we went, we to, went to Cafe del Museo, which is a coffee bean museum. Oh, that yes, was yes, coffee, coffee this, museum, not just we, beans. We talked about in our podcast with Sam from Lima Gourmet Company. Uh, that was episode twenty-two, and she started Lima Gourmet Company and is a she's a, a food tour host throughout Lima. Um, wait, how did we get back to Lima though? We're not. This is Cafe Cafe del Museo. This is in Cusco still. Oh, You're talking about yeah. I'm the talking other place about in Lima. yeah. All right, I got a little ahead of myself there. So Cafe del Museo, that place was a. Uh, awesome it like is a museum on coffee beans and we we all got delicious cappuccinos or cafe americanos which are just espresso with some water basically like a drip press but it's espresso um and the food was really good i think you guys got the clint yeah yeah yes. it was just this giant plate of like meat and beans and I, some like egg and potato thing i don't even know what it was but it was oh, really yeah, good and- it was like this fried egg or no fried like cheese and potato mashup with egg and there was beans and sausage links and yeah, a few other stuff. It was, it was delicious. I wish I was eating it right now. 
Yeah, I forget what I got, but it was mine was good too. I th- oh no, I ended up getting almost like a Cuban sandwich. It had like a pork. It was pork, some pickled veggies, and then I had like a tomatillo, which is essentially like a cornbread style thing that's cooked in a corn husk. Very moist, very delicious. <laughs> so. So this place was awesome. One, they had really, really good food that I would highly recommend. But in addition to that, they did have the coffee museum attached. And it's a quick, I mean, it's a quick well, walk around a, a mezzanine. But it was really informative. I learned a lot. We learned a lot about the import of, or the export of organic Peruvian coffee. And it kind of gave some of the stats on the coffee industry in Peru. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think it's great. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, it's one of those things that when you're there, just try to take advantage of everything that you can. You know, it's a free tour. It takes, you know, 20 minutes tops. You're there already. You might as well just do it. Yeah. I I would really recommend, though, going to this place. If you're in Cusco, it's one of my my favorite stops that we had food on. That sentence makes sense. (laughs) No. It's one of. Understand it. If you're in Cusco, I rec- highly recommend this one restaurant over almost all the other places we visited. I really like the coffee, the food, and the tour. Yeah. Check it out. And then, so the rest of our day sort of revolved around museums. We were still walking a little bit slowly from the night before, and we went to the Incan Museum, which is not included on your Sacred Valley Pass. But it was However, only 10 soles. It was only 10 soles, so about three bucks. And one of the best museums in Cusco, probably the best museum in Cusco. It was long. There's a lot of information. And also in addition to research. Um, so this one, it, it started with the Incan empire and then kind of worked its way into the Spanish conquest and covered everything from architecture to pottery Artifacts, and culture yeah. and food. And it was pretty informative. I liked, I liked the layout yeah, was, of the museum. It was great. It was really they had good. a lot of artifacts in there. I mean, showed you the, the tools that they used uh, to build the ruins, you know. Um, and this is where we learned about the levels, the leveling techniques, um, those cups. I actually bought like a, a remodel of one of those cups of, that they had with water. Do you know what they were used for? Yeah, water. Drink? Yeah. Yeah, I, think I so. thought it was with like um, their, their burials, wasn't it? Well, I remember the one picture was of them with those cups and then like a woman, an Incan woman had a large jug and she was filling them for them and I thought it was like to quench their thirst as they're chiseling rocks all day. <laughs> but, you know, that was just my interpretation of the artwork. Yeah, clearly. Which is all that matters. All right. So, what do you guys want to say? What was the other museum we went to? We went to the Coracancha Museum. We were going to go to Coracancha. And if you do get an opportunity, Coracancha is a very awesome temple that really accentuates the Incan Empire history with how the Spanish built on it. So it's this massive cathedral temple style ruin that you can actually see the old Incan stone that was carved and laid. And then over top of that is... The Spanish church but the church is not included with your 10-day pass but there is a museum that you can go into that was very underwhelming 
Yeah, no, I know, I know, I don't think it's officially written down, but I think this museum is notoriously known to have the squeakiest <laughs> floors of any museum in the world. <laughs> it is. For some reason, the floors are just so squeaky. They that squeaky yeah. clean. They, yeah, they were clean, but you're, you, it was it was just so squeaky. You couldn't even think. No, it was just squeaks. Everybody's just squeaking everywhere they walked. <laughs> Um, I think that was very important to the story. You know what? If someone's listening to this and they go to that museum, they're now going to they're now going to know exactly, <laughs> know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and if you're listening to this and you've been there, you'll definitely know what I mean. Uh, so that was sort of the end of the day. We had a flight back to Lima at this point. Um, we had a flight at five o'clock. The Cusco Airport is very easy to get to and very easy to move through. We had no issues with that airport. Uh, it's very small. Um, not a lot of food options. Maybe eat before you get there. Uh, oh, the yeah. the one cool thing that I didn't realize or didn't think of, you can bring your water on the plane in Peru. Traveling through Peru, they have no issue with large water bottles. I think some of the signs says they do, but you guys brought your water in without a problem. I threw mine out just out of habit before we got to security. The only time we actually were forced to throw out our water bottles is when we had to come through customs back to the United States. Yeah. So keep that in mind. If you purchased a water bottle, don't throw it out until they tell you you have to. I don't know if this was mentioned in the first episode, but you cannot drink the water there and you can risk brushing your teeth and rinsing with it, but you're going to have to buy a lot of water. And the going rate for us that we noticed was for one of the big bottles. And you can't see my hands, but I'm making a big bottle sign. Uh, in the stores, they're usually about six soles. We found them for the cheapest around four. In restaurants, you're going to get a small bottle for like eight soles. And a big bottle is what, two liters? Yeah, most of them are like a liter and a half or two and a half liters. Mm-hmm. I would recommend bringing a water bottle. Elliot had one that flattened and sort of clipped onto his backpack. I wish I had that. But yeah, yeah keep... I know you're jealous. No, yeah, I'm pretty jealous. I'm going to steal it. <laughs> <laughs> I can so, just get you one. Yeah, yeah that would be nice. So that was sort of the end of our trip in the Sacred Valley. At that point, we flew back to Lima, completely exhausted, and landed in Lima and then had to jump in a car and fight through traffic all over again. And I think all three of us were just, we were so beat up from our trip and we're stuck in traffic. The the, the exhaust fumes are overwhelming in, in Lima traffic. And I don't want to say we were kind of done, but we were all... Uh, we were just beat. And it, it takes a higher. lot out yeah. of you to to hike yeah. Machu Picchu, and then to just do what we did. Though, I mean, I feel like the the lazy day in Cusco did not play out like we thought it was going to be. No, no. So yeah, we were welcome. Yeah, thanks, <laughs> we were beat, and we we land in Lima. We get the cab. We fight through the traffic. It took us an hour, at, I think a little over an hour, to get from the yeah. Lima airport to the Bronco District. And then we get there, and we were all rejuvenated. This neighborhood is so beautiful, so nicely done with the parks and the fountains, the cafes, the bars. We were all... It felt like a, a standard, like a nice cosmopolitan city in the United States or Europe. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I really loved it there. I wasn't expecting to love it as much as I did, and... To go back on Sam, who who we had the previous podcast with, this is where she spends, I think, a lot of her time doing her food tours. Um, 
it did not disappoint. We we were supposed to meet up with her, but due to family obligations, she was unable to meet up with us while we were there. But we were you know texting back and forth, and she was constantly providing us with updates on where to eat, where to get coffee, and even what to eat at and, those places. Right. So I mean, I guess we can start off with coffee. Um, if you listen to the podcast, and again, it's episode twenty two, Lima Gourmet. She talks about this this restaurant called uh, Tostaduria Vicetti. How'd I do? That was pretty good. Thank you. That was probably the best pronunciation of your Spanish ever. <laughs> <laughs> I know Trace Aguas. El Baño. El Baño. Um, Banos. Banos. So anyway, this coffee is organic, which I think all of Peruvian coffee is. Um, it blew the best coffee away, I ever had. Right? It's the best. Yeah. The same. Absolutely. Hands so down the best I will, coffee ever I will had. say... That you guys both ordered mochachinos. Mm-hmm. It was amazing, though. It was the best mochachino <laughs> yeah. I've ever had. If you if you if you're gonna get coffee there, the mochachinos are good. I'll grant I'll grant you that. But get an espresso just to enjoy and savor the purity of the coffee from Peru. See, I agree with you, and I, I kind of now looking back, I wish I probably did both. I should have gotten an espresso and then and then tried the mochachino. Yeah, I agree. I think like. But, uh, to really appreciate what they do because they, they they handpick every bean. Yeah, so I, I think to try the coffee on its own, you know, Elliot, what did, what did you get? You got like a double shot of espresso, I think. Just I just got a straight espresso and a and then I ordered a cappuccino, but yeah, it was delicious. Right, so you can you can really appreciate what they do and, and they take the time to hand select every bean so that it, it it roasts evenly. And I mean you really you really taste the quality of the coffee yeah so Absolutely. my my thought process for the mochaccino was that uh you know the coffee is great the, the chocolate there is great so i went for a combination of both that really complemented two really thriving industries and that's sort of that's sort of why i picked that drink um and it didn't disappoint yeah, me i loved it great. it was amazing and the food was really good yeah the food was really good too so it, it was an awesome start to the day yeah. Well, we we didn't even talk about the previous night. Oh yeah, that the giant meat platter that we had. Yeah. Well, oh, when we our, first of all, it was our first hiccup with our Airbnb <laughs> because we were having issues communicating with these with the people that were the owners, and we show up and we were very fortunate that the door was open and they were actually walking in, and we essentially told them that we were their guests for the night and that we had a room with them and then we had to sit for 20 minutes while they prepared it because they were did not they were not expecting us that night for whatever reason there was some kind of miscommunication between one of the owners and we we're very lucky that they were there mm-hmm. yeah that uh what could have been a very major miscommunication um turned into something that it, it wasn't a big deal but I, I mean, if I would imagine that if this was a rental property and if no one actually lived there and it was just an empty home and we showed up knocking on the door, I don't know what we would have done. We would have had to walk around and find a hostel somewhere. Yeah. Um, it could have played out very yeah, differently. But yeah, we were lucky. Did you and notice any hostels in that area at all? No. No. Nope. No. Um, yeah, we would have slept on the beach or something. And that was a nice <laughs> yeah. Airbnb. It would have been a shame slept if we couldn't park. stay there. Yeah. yeah, it was nice. That was probably the nicest one we had. That's, well, yeah, it was. Um, I don't know if they're going to be listening to this, but we decided it was hot and we slept with the windows open. And that night I said to Elliot, 
I hope a bird doesn't fly in through the window. You guys were, I feel like you guys were both so afraid of something coming in the window. Yeah. Nope, just Bob. Yeah, well, I'm the one that said it. I, yeah, I don't think Elliot was that scared. And then I went down and got a shower the next morning and a bird flew in the window. <laughs> it was a morning dove. I can't believe a bird actually flew in the window. We have that. You guys yeah, have a video, a video of it? <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it was very strange. So anyway, so we, where yeah. do where did we go to eat that night that we got into Bronco? That night was El Tio Mario. Yes, yes, and that's so we got this giant shared meat platter. It was El Tio Mario Anticucho. Yes, and that's what it was it, called. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it was uh, various types of meats from various animals. It was what we had kebabs and pork chops and chicken. But then there was like this filler that that was just surrounding the main entree. And we're all just stuffing our faces with it. It has this weird texture. It looked weird. We had no idea what it was. in your mouth. (laughs) So So it ended up being a mixture of, they are anticuchos, and they're basically a mixture of pork intestines, pig intestines, cow stomach, and giblets from... Gizzards. Chickens or turkeys? Was it gizzards or giblets? It's gizzards. Because I think Bob was saying giblets or something at dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and it also comes with two ears of corn, about twenty potatoes, like it's never potatoes, any potatoes and wherever you go. Chichas, chichas? Is that what the drink was? Yeah, I don't. Was it the? Was it corn beer? Chicha. Yeah, chicha. Chicha. And then, and then for dessert, we had these. It's almost uh, like a fry, like oh, a donut type called? thing. It started with the pig. It was like a. Pic- picarones. Picarones. It was like a uh, funnel cake. It was like an almost anise. Like funnel cake. But it was like an anise spiced funnel cake. Anise. What? Anise? Anise. <laughs> so the meal overall, um, I thought it was good. It was. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I'm torn. It wasn't anything too special. I think the presentation was better than the actual meal. But yeah, I I would agree with that. But it was it was a, a very traditional Peruvian food, like it's street fair food that they presented a little differently. Right, right, right. Yeah, I appreciate the tradition. That guy who who owns that restaurant apparently started as a food truck and worked his way up into what was a beautiful restaurant, multi level restaurant, sitting at right adjacent to the bridge of size so it was a really awesome location so so that so we kind of jumped back and forth a little bit so bringing back bringing us back to our last day we had that coffee at tostadoria Bassetti that morning and the remainder of the day we spent just touring the walking bronco around. district yeah walking around went we, to the beach that's right we walked down to the beach a little bit we walked along the the, the roadway along the beach and we just really kind of souvenir shopped. At that point, we it was our last day. We decided yeah. to load up on our. Well, we were oh, still getting ahead of yourself, bro. What? What I miss? <laughs> Isolina. No, I mean I was gonna get back to it. I wasn't. I wasn't gonna forget Isolina. That, that, that was, was like probably, the best. I, think it's my, I mean, most of that was our yeah. Most my, yeah. of that day was just walking around waiting yeah. until our next meal. Yeah, I remember we were kind yeah. of, we were trying Isolina. to decide where we should eat for lunch, and it was either like Papa John's or Isolina, right? sam he's joking um so yeah so again this restaurant was recommended to us by sam isolina we had reservations there and she had recommended the ceviche which 
blew us all away. Brian, you weren't even so, a fan like, of ceviche until you I, had this. I'm just, I've never been one to, to try crazy food. And I wouldn't say it's crazy, but, you know, I've, I wouldn't say I'm a picky eater, but I try to keep my, uh, my my selections more on the normal side but i figured you're in peru when am i ever going to go back to peru and i just winged it you know figured try some right when in peru eat, do eat some the peruvian stomach do. some raw fish <laughs> yeah you're more i think like the saying goes you're more of like a steak and potatoes type of guy yeah yeah i'm glad you tried it i could eat that every day I, i'm so glad i tried it too remember the fried squid was awesome the yeah oh yeah. the octopus right yeah the yes octopus. yeah that was delicious and then the other dish we got was recommended by sam as well and that was the carne asada which was essentially this big platter of short ribs which were phenomenal. Oh, I forgot about them. They were yeah. with the rice, the rice and beans. That was awesome. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So are do we are we all in agreement that this was our favorite meal yeah, on the entire definitely. trip? Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Thank you, Sam. Oh. And then after Isolina, no, before Isolina, we got those Lakuma oh. milkshakes. Uh. Yeah. So this place yes. was what was it? The the tree was from the eighteen hundreds. <laughs> And it, yes, this, from the 1800s, this La Bodega Verde, Lacuma that's only grown in Peru. I mean, these milkshakes were amazing. Yeah, so I'm looking up the Lacuma fruit. So the Lacuma is a species of tree in the family Sapatacay. <laughs> I don't know, cultivated for its fruit. So it's native to the Andean valleys of Peru and Ecuador. This. I mean, I don't even know how to describe. It was almost like taste. a like a butterscotch like. Yeah, but that's you remember, right. so, yeah. so they, the guy was nice enough to bring us to the back and tell us about the history of their restaurant, their the fruit that grows on the tree, and he actually brought a lacuma out to us. And it's not a mm-hmm. sweet fruit at all by any means. I mean, I, I feel like it was almost kind of like a squash like texture inside of it, but they transform it yeah. into the most delicious milkshake I've ever had. Yeah, so it says here, so it says, when eaten raw, the fruit has a dry texture. In Peru, it is more commonly used as a flavor in juice, milkshakes, and especially ice cream. Oh, dude, yeah. can you imagine just like a big bowl of this in ice cream form? Its unique flavor in such preparations has been described variously as being similar to sweet potato, maple syrup, or butterscotch. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it was Delicious. so good. And I don't know, I mean, when will we ever have the opportunity to have... Yeah, I don't like know. Yeah, I've never even know. heard of it. No, no. Yes. Well worth it. Absolutely. So yeah, we woke up, we had the best coffee of our lives, followed by the best milkshake of our lives, followed by the best lunch of our lives. Yep. So yep. we this day was virtually just us stuffing our faces. I think well deserved too. Oh yeah. Based on all the hiking we did that week. Um, I will say we in all of our trips or sorry, in all of the days that we were in Peru, we walked over a hundred miles and climbed over three thousand feet. Yeah, that's impressive. <laughs> I'm impressed with us. Yeah. <laughs> I think on average we burned about four thousand calories a day. Oh, I was more than that. I was I was closer to the five thousand every day. That's because your the legs are of, shorter. <laughs> the day of <laughs> <laughs> the day of Machu Picchu, I think it was. I did fifty six hundred calories. I burned. Just so in one you guys day. know, when yeah. when we would go to to lunch or breakfast. Bob was getting two meals by himself every time. Hey, man, yes. you got you to gotta somehow support the girth. <laughs> also, 
also it should be known that every time we checked our step counts, um, Bob was well ahead of both Brian and I, even though we all walked the same distance. Yeah, it's because you guys are His little legs long. move quick. <laughs> I, anyway, <laughs> where where do we do? So so after lunch, we ended up. Um, this is when we did. Most Took of a our... cab up to the Inca Market. Oh yeah, yeah I really nice. liked it there. The people there were very friendly, and yeah, the the, the shops are awesome. Um, Good souvenir. Yeah, again, it was another recommendation by Sam. We basically just <laughs> Sam wrote the itinerary for there this was, last day. I want to give a call out. Yeah, there was did. that one. This one guy who who was incredible. He knew everything about Philadelphia, and he said, "Go Eagles!" Yeah. Oh yeah, time we passed him. Yeah, fly. fly Eagles, fly. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. A local Philadelphia fan. Um, but it was a good place to get some souvenirs. Um, reasonable prices again. Yeah. And just come some cool stuff. And I think after that, we ended up walking back to our Airbnb and kind of packed up, showered, and then walked to dinner. Right. Yeah. And the dinner, that was somewhere that we kind of just wung it, right? Yeah. I. I oh, yes. right. So Ooh, yeah. Sam recommended Siete and it didn't open. So by the time it, we got yeah. there, it was still closed, and we just we were on a time li- timeline or time strain Crunch time limit because time, of our time flight. Constraint. And so yeah, time constraint. There we go. Um, because of our flight. So then we, at that point, we none of us had service, and we just picked a restaurant at random. It was good. It was. It's hard to follow. Yeah, Isolina, my, I mean, my meal was but, really really fancy. Um, you know, I had ordered. It was supposed to be prawns in, <laughs> in a white wine sauce. Um, with focaccia bread, that's how you say it, and um, I got this really cool dish of like these little tiny shrimps with saltine crackers. I mean, it was amazing. <laughs> that was the best part. That was the best part. Yeah, they they advertise it as focaccia yeah. bread. Yeah, and it was Muya. and they give them and they gave them saltine crackers. crackers. They they paired well with the shrimp. <laughs> Yeah, that was hilarious. And that's where we, Elliot and I, were just pounding Pisco Sours before oh, our yeah. flight. I think that's what helped me fall asleep on the plane ride home. I I, yeah. I fell asleep. Our plane took off at 11 o'clock. You were violently shaking out cold by, by 11. <laughs> three minutes after we took off. <laughs> by like 10 after. And then I woke up to them announcing that we were landing in Florida. That is the ideal travel situation. Falling asleep as soon as your plane leaves and waking up right when it lands. Um, it was nice that you kept us all up by snoring. I wasn't snoring. I was sleeping very quietly. Did I? Have, did I have window for that? Or no, I was in the middle. Yeah. No, I was in the Are middle you? for that one. Brian had window. Were you? Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, you yeah, had window right. for the long flight. I had. Yeah, I had window for the the flight from Fort Lauderdale to Philadelphia. But so that's our trip. That was that was everything. Um, it. I don't know. It it worked out really well for us. I think. If you're looking for something similar, you know, and by that I mean just a quick trip where you want to pack in a lot of stuff in the Sacred Valley, you're not planning on hiking to Machu Picchu, um, I think this would work out for a lot of other people. If you are interested in hearing more about our itinerary or maybe just want to be provided with our actual itinerary, send us an email. Uh, I'd be more than happy to to send this out to people and and help them out with their own planning. Um yeah, I yeah. think I think before we go, we just have some general tips on Peru, well, right? And before that, there there were some honorable mentions that we had thought about when we were planning Peru, but did not 
end up doing, like Rainbow Mountain. There's a lake in the Sacred Valley that is very popular. Um, and there's a lot of places north of Lima that a lot of people go to. And some people end up taking a bus tour from Lima to several different cities uh, on their way to Cusco. And one of those you can see like an oasis in the desert and some other stuff. And the bus tour is a good way to acclimatize, uh, like force yourself to acclimatize rather than just flying directly from Lima to Cusco. But as Bob mentioned, there we have some tips that we're going to run through that are essentially a summation of most of the things that we talked about in the last two episodes. Yeah, so I mean, we could just run through these because I think we touched up on most of them. Haggle for everything except for restaurants. When you're shopping, when you're souvenir shopping especially, they're marking things up significantly, especially for tourists. So if you can buy in bulk from one retailer... And then haggle your way down a little bit. Uh, like Definitely. I, yeah, like I mentioned earlier, don't go too bad. Cut them some slack. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, know some Spanish. I know that you and Brian, at the end of it, expressed that you wished you had learned some prior to traveling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for my next trip to Italy, um, I plan on I plan on learning some Italian. I think the amount you'll gain is invaluable and. Did I say that right? Invaluable. Um, <laughs> and I just think it's well worth it. It's It adds to the authenticity of your experience, just if you can do it. Um, bottled water is another big one. You're going to need bottled water throughout your trip. You can't drink the water. I did brush my teeth with the sink water the entire week, and I was fine. I was spitting it out, obviously. But um, it doesn't hurt to be extra safe and just use bottled water for everything. you're going to need it, you know, with the elevation, you're going to get dehydrated much faster than you normally would. And one thing that I wish we did was prepare to have water overnight. A lot of times we would get water throughout the day, we would go back, and we'd end up being stuck in our Airbnb for the entire night until the next morning without any water at all. And I would just wish I think that that was only you. You know what, though? I I feel like we were drinking a lot of a lot of water, but it it still wasn't enough, you know, and and I want to just say, I, I think that, um, you know, the, the lack of drinking enough water, like I, I remember feeling my lips getting so chapped, you know, and you got that cut on your lip, you know, so I feel like make sure mm-hmm. you have chapstick, but water is, is so, so important. I mean, I couldn't have had enough water on this trip. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, exchanging water, yeah. Sunscreen, yeah, sunscreen and, basically. and long sleeves. Um, yeah, don't, exchange money at the airport you're gonna get a much lower rate i think we determined that when we exchanged at the lima airport it was 3.14 soles per dollar and in most other places at any exchange market you can get it for like a good a better rate of 3.25 or even 3.3 yeah uh taxis again haggle they will try their best to rip you off they know you're a tourist. They know you don't know the area. And especially if you don't speak Spanish, they're going to try to, to get the most out of you. If you can, if you have service or if you can go to a restaurant and get Wi-Fi, order an Uber. It predetermines the price. It predetermines the route. And you know you're going to get what you're, pay, what you're paying for. Um, yeah, you think, Just make sure you get in the right, right Uber. And you know what, though? And I feel like yeah. you get the Uber, you, you get you get a good experience. And you could possibly set, set yourself up with you know, a potential driver 
for, you know, stuff later in the week if you need to, and you might be able to get yourself a better deal. That's a really good point. A lot of these taxi drivers or Uber drivers are willing to give you their information and then be uh, on call for you to drive throughout the Sacred Valley. It doesn't seem uncommon for one driver to be associated with one group of people and help them travel, uh, you know, from Cusco to Machu Picchu and back. Yep. Um, If you do plan on leaving the Lima airport, which we highly recommend, especially for the food and nightlife, make sure you add extra time into your itinerary because, as we mentioned, it can be very time-consuming to drive from the airport to Miraflores or Barranco. Yeah. Um, Next, if you can pay for data, we recommend it. Brian actually ended up paying for data for the trip, and it helped us out significantly. We were able to talk to our Airbnb hosts when we needed to um, order Ubers in the event we couldn't get to a restaurant. It, it really, it really helped us out. Yeah. And I think it, through your different providers, I think it's only 10 bucks a day for texting, calling and a gigabyte of data. Right. And it's not something, something you have to keep yeah. on the whole time either. I mean, it's, it, it, we, we were able to use it when we only needed when it you need to it. turn it off when we weren't using it. Right. Um, Make sure, absolutely make sure you get acclimated. Yeah, I think that's crucial. Seriously, I mean, I couldn't imagine doing like what Charlie did to go hike Machu Picchu first thing when you get there. We we would have been dead. Right. So you hear of people skipping it and just jumping right into Machu Picchu. And I think you're going to have mixed results. You might be able to handle it. You might just go straight to Cusco, hike Machu Picchu and have no issues. But you don't know if you're going to be able to handle it or not. So in order to keep your trip running smoothly and not getting yourself sick, just enjoy time in Cusco. There's nothing wrong with spending time there. There's more than enough to do, more than enough places to eat at. It's a great experience in itself. So take advantage of that. See Cusco while being, you know, acclimatized. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I also think to your point, you know, <laughs> this really doesn't have to do with being I'm... acclimatized, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> don't don't skip out on Lima either. It's, you know, it's I feel so late like right people, now. Lima is like the stepping stone. You know, you get from Lima to Cusco, and I, I believe at one point we were kind of thinking about not even really spending any time in Lima. I feel like we would have missed out on a lot. Yeah. Well, right. One, the word is acclimatized, and I think I, I would two, just say acclimated. You know, it, Acc- it sounds a little bit better. Acclimatized. <laughs> it's a hybrid. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's how you pronounce it. Right? It's just the confidence that was not exuded from you. I know. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, it's late. I'm, I'm exhausted right now. Um, so, I was going to add something to that, and I don't remember now. Um, I don't either. Hmm. Whatever. Let's move on. All right. Well, a part of altitude and acclimatization is keeping it easy on alcohol, especially for the first night or two. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think there's much more explanation needed for that um next one hold baby alpacas at your own risk baby alpacas like all babies poop and poop like all poop smells so in order to not get pooped on <laughs> hold baby alpacas at your own risk <laughs> um is elliot frozen yes yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> So this next one, uh, Pat, I oh, think oh, there you are. was what was happened? huge for us, packing light. Um, I couldn't imagine. I mean, how many people did we see rolling with 
with multiple carry-ons and check bags. I mean, we, we really packed as light as we could. And I feel like I probably, yeah. if I could have gone even lighter, I would have, because we had our backpacks with us the whole time and we were going somewhere new every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's yeah. huge. I I would recommend doing it as light as possible. If you have Airbnbs, you could even get ones with washers. Uh, some of them might have dryers, but if you're able to do that and wash your clothes as you go, that would be huge. You have to buy soap. It's yeah, yeah. Buy yeah. buy buy soap, which you can probably get at any market. But that's actually something that I think if we were to go back, I might cater where we picked our airbnbs according to which ones had washers and if we could maybe wash our stuff every two or three days and then have clean clothes we could have packed less and and just had a lighter experience but yeah and keep that in mind for hostels too if you do go to hostels you likely will not have towels so you will probably have to bring your own towel the entire trip which is just an added weight yeah so make sure your bag too has the, the waist the waist clip around it because Ellie right your yours did Ellie just right. brought a regular oh, yeah. backpack I couldn't imagine carrying that thing around the whole week I don't know how you did it yeah uh, I am me <laughs> yeah I had the waist strap and even the chest strap that helped so much uh, just to tear the weight from being on my shoulders and my back and I I had I think I might have had the heaviest bag because I ended up taking a lot of the electronics it it was huge yeah um and then food in the Sacred Valley is fairly limited. Cusco was definitely the best place to grab different kinds of food, good food, local food, any kind of food. Yeah. And then last but not least, download the maps offline. This was something that Elliot had done. And so we were very quickly able to identify where certain restaurants were in relation to our location throughout each city. You downloaded cities for or maps for Lima and Cusco. Was it? A- yep, Lima and Cusco. Yeah, and they're they only take up like Lima was probably a little bit more because it's got a lot of roads and landmarks. Cusco was fairly light in terms of download, mm-hmm. and that helped us out a ton. You were able to pick that yeah. up pretty quickly, and then figure out where we were, and then we were able to to walk the city accordingly. Um, I was a base. I was basically your navigator and translator we had a great system going so brian had like the data and he was ordering the ubers and i wrote the entire itinerary the i the entire itinerary and then elliot (laughs) elliot you know did the maps so yeah it was i executed the itinerary i don't think i don't think elliot and i looked at anything to do with peru before we no, it was, yeah, it was not even at all. But I've been preparing for 12 years. Brian <laughs> didn't even know we were going to Peru until we were at the airport. He was, he just knew we were going on a trip somewhere in he the world. He just thought we were going to Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. guys, we made it. I this is great. I was with those fish tacos. Was yeah. It, those, did you get the blackened fish tacos? Yeah, it was the, the I did. mahi, right, I think? No, I didn't get them blackened. No, a grouper. A grouper, that's it. The grouper. Mm-hmm. Grouper. Yeah. So... Guys, um, if you're listening, I think we covered pretty much our entire trip. And like I think I mentioned already, if you were interested in learning more, reach out through our email, thetravelersblueprint at gmail.com. You can shoot us a message on Instagram or Facebook. But yeah, I, I let us know. Let us know if you plan something differently and maybe have recommendations that we can include in our show notes, something that you think we did wrong. Um, other than that, just thank you for listening. If you could take two seconds out of your day and rate our podcast on iTunes, that goes 
such a far way in the growth of our show, and we cannot stress how much we actually appreciate those reviews. All right, that wraps up our second episode of Planning Peru. And now Bob and I are going to get into the budget. So first thing is first, flights. We planned our flights based on the cost and a rough time frame, which we knew we wanted to do in the spring of 2019. So we actually bought these tickets in August, and they happened to be about 485 bucks per person from the East Coast, which we ended up flying out of Philly. Yep. Uh, so after that, the next largest cost was the Airbnbs. We ended up having a different Airbnb every night through the Sacred Valley, except for one night where we, we spent two nights in Cusco. So we stayed in the same place. Other than that, we were hopping around the entire time through the Sacred Valley on our way up to Machu Picchu and then back to Cusco. The total cost was $327 for our Airbnbs. We split that three ways and each ended up paying $109. Um, I think on average, our Airbnbs were in the 35 to 45 dollar range per night so if you're looking for airbnbs in the sacred valley there are no shortage of them and they're all pretty cheap all of our locations were actually very close to the good areas we were close to the plazas with every one we had balconies in Olington tambo we had views of the ruins so these were by no means um cheaper or farther away from the destination you're going to be spending your time yep yeah, I, I enjoyed every single one. You did a lot of good research to book those. Thank you. Yeah, you know, and if, you, if you're listening to this and you are interested in the actual Airbnbs we stayed in, I have all that information. I'd be more than happy to just send you the link to the actual Airbnb and you can reach out to them directly on your own. Yep. So transportation within Peru uh, ended up, that actually may have been a little bit more in total than the Airbnbs. So we actually took taxis and had ride services from our Airbnb, as we mentioned in the podcast earlier. But the flight from Lima to Cusco was about $90 a person round trip. And that's actually pretty great. And if you do it through Latum or LATAM, I, I still say Latum, <laughs> but LATAM is the one of the Latin American airlines that is domestic and international. Regardless, there are train fares from Oyotatambo to Aguas Calientes. Those are about 63 a person or each way. And then taxis, which we ended up taking, were about 20 bucks a person, maybe 25 bucks a person from Cusco to Oyotatambo. And you cannot take a train from Cusco to Machu Picchu directly. You have to take a taxi to Oyotatambo some way or another or a bus. Yeah. I, so the other option, so flying from Lima to Cusco is the most popular way to get to the Sacred Valley. The other option that I saw over and over again is a bus called Peru Hop that takes you from Lima to Cusco, but stops along some pretty awesome, uh, stops at some pretty awesome locations along the way. I do not know the cost and I know it's like a multiple day bus trip. It's just something else that you could look at. And if you wanted to see more of Peru, not just the Sacred Valley, it's probably the best option for that. Um, moving on to other tickets. So we have the train ride from Tambo. So moving on, we have our tickets for Machu Picchu and then the Sacred Valley. So the ticket to Machu Picchu, which included our hike 
up Wayana Pichu ended up being $70 per person. Now, I think we should say that we ended up um, getting in touch with Matt, who we've had on our re- re- uh, previous episode, who was able to purchase the ticket in person in Cusco. And I think we did get a small a, a, a discount on that ticket price. I unfortunately am not sure what the actual full price of it is, but I don't think it's that much more. The Sacred Valley Pass, as we mentioned in our podcast, is the pass that allows you to get into the various ruins and museums throughout the Sacred Valley. That ended up costing us $50 per person. I think I would recommend you looking into your own trip and understanding what the Sacred Valley Pass actually includes, making sure that you're you want to see those things before you purchase the ticket. Me personally, if you're going to be there, you're going to want to go to Pasak, you're going to want to go to Chinchero, you want to go to you're going to want to go to Ollantaytambo, those ruins. Right there, I think it's worth it. Um, but just do do your own research. The museums, I don't know if I would push for them, but since you have the the ticket, it might just be worth the ch- checking them out. And then the big item for me is always food. Uh, I know you you're somewhat the same way, but when Amanda and I travel, we always end up spending the most on food. And it was kind of similar with this, but for what we got, it was really cheap. So it ended up being about $60 a day for all three meals and waters, because you have to buy water everywhere you go. And water is maybe five bucks a day, and that'll give you three liters. Yeah, and I don't think we did this we by no means went to fine dining restaurants. We kind of did a middle ground. We definitely ate well. <laughs> we oh made sure God, yeah. we we took advantage of the food in Peru and we did go to a few nice restaurants, but we also didn't skimp out. If you really wanted if you were really trying to budget this trip, you could really go for cheap. I mean, maybe just $10 a day if you really wanted to. Absolutely. Uh, I I know a lot of people do it that way. But if you have the money to spend on food, to me and to Elliot, that was one of the best experiences about being in Peru. So I highly recommend budgeting at least $60 per day for food. And that included like coffees and even drinks in the evening. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, so next we have our ATV tour. This obviously is going to be dependent upon what you're interested in, but it ended up costing us 53 US dollars for what was it four hours total yep about four hours it drove us i mean well we already talked about in the podcast um well worth it one of the highlights of the trip i highly recommend it i think it was inca america trail was the name of the company um go to their website check them out uh but 53 dollars for that and we'll have the links to their info in our show notes on our website right Um, and then the last item was just miscellaneous stuff from souvenirs and buying bags of coffee and i think that's actually it and Mm. you we all spent a little bit differently um i think i ended up only spending like 120 to 140 bucks on souvenirs total throughout the trip yeah i spent a little bit more in souvenirs i'm trying to think what else we ended up spending money on that just added into the 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 miscellaneous um coca leaves i I don't know it was just But that, oh, I mean, what were they a few? The miscellaneous was also the pictures with the alpacas or llamas, that right? Kind of thing. Right? Yeah, it it, it added up. I yeah. mean, I think we have it as three hundred dollars per person, but for you, I think it was much less than that. I think I might have been in the three hundred dollar range just because I kind of went up, 
a little bit overboard on the souvenirs. You went, you went crazy. Yeah, I went a little crazy on the souvenirs. Well, worth but it. in total, if you break it down and add everything together, our cost per person was roughly around seventeen hundred bucks. Which for seven or eight days in Peru, jam packed with all the stuff we did, it was absolutely well worth it. And I would one hundred percent do it again. Absolutely, yeah. So that that concludes our Peru planning itinerary breakdown, whatever you want to call it. Um, We hope you enjoyed it. We hope we have your wheels spinning on possibly visiting Peru. It was an amazing country. It's made it into my top three. I think it might be my second favorite country in the world. Only behind Croatia. I still, I'm in love with that country. You, Elliot, where where does this fall in your top? I think this is number two for me too. Behind? Germany. Behind Germany. Yeah. That, That one holds sentimental value to you, I feel. Yeah. You spent, you live there for a little bit. Um, either way, it was such an amazing experience. And now it has actually us thinking about going back to South America and maybe exploring other countries, possibly Colombia. Hey, Matt, we're, we're, we are on our radar. Um, or maybe even like Argentina or Brazil. We'll see what happens in the future. Anyway, as usual, we hope you enjoy our podcast. Please take two minutes out of your day. And if you can rate us on iTunes, it goes a really long way in helping us grow our show. Um, that is it for this week. Tune in next week. And uh, thank you for being part of the Travelers Blueprint community. 